0: and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit.
1: How many is ready to get into the Word of God? Somebody say amen. Amen. I hope you brought your Bible with you. It's everything that you need today. Let's make our confession as we do. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds good. Open the scriptures with me today and let me get all uh, logged in here. My security codes, all that stuff it takes to get in these things. And uh, look with me to John chapter 12. And I just want to read you a, a little passage of scripture there uh, in honor of the day that we are having today. Let me get there. I think I got it on my uh, pad here somewhere. Uh, John 12 and then along about verse 13 is really where I want to be. Just for a few minutes. There's a lot that we could look at there, but uh, we'll settle down in uh, maybe around verses 13. But basically, uh, how can I say this? Uh, Religiously, on the religious calendar that the Christian church observes, uh, this is uh, known as Palm Sunday. And you say, well, why would they call it Palm Sunday? Now, I'm not talking about Psalms as in the book of Psalms, not that kind of psalm, but a palm, as in a palm branch. Does anybody know what the state tree is for South Carolina? It's what? Yeah, the Palmetto tree. And so when we, uh, we should know what palms are here in South Carolina. And uh, what we see happening here, uh, maybe not quite the same particular kind of tree that took place in this day, but about four days before Passover, Uh, Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. It was just after he had had some tremendous healings that took place, and uh, even Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And so when people saw that happening and, and that taking place, they said, Jesus is the king. He is the Lord of glory. He is the Messiah. He is the one that is to come. And so when Jesus and his entourage, because when Jesus goes, the 12 disciples are with him, And with the 12, no doubt there are hundreds and sometimes even thousands of people that are following him. Jesus spent a lot of time in the Gospels trying to get away from people so that he could uh, go into the mountain to pray and seek God and do other things that he did. And you'll see that many times where he slipped away himself to be by himself in prayer with the Father God and those kind of things. And so we see that uh, happen a number of times. There's lots of people following him. And at this time, at a very high point, in Christ's ministry, as he's coming into Jerusalem, the people are ready to inaugurate him as king. I mean, they, I mean, this man, no one has ever done the things that he has done, and they're worshiping him, and they're honoring him, uh, the Lord Jesus, they're giving praise to him, and you can sort of pick that up on John chapter 12, verse 12, the scripture says, the next day much people that were come to the feast, the feast of Passover that is being uh, in, in progress, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And they sort of put out these feelers and find out where he's going to be. And they're going to make sure they're going to get there and catch up with him. People want to touch him. They want to hear him. They want to be close to him. They took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna, which means God help us, God be with us. Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel and that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. You know the rest of the story, how that upon a new cult or a fold of a cult, that he uh, rode in triumphantly into Jerusalem and as he's going to observe Passover for the next few days. And really, the Passover is coming on Sunday, uh, is when they're going in, or our Sunday and uh, first day of the week, and uh, it's going to be on Wednesday that Passover is going to take place four days later, and of course Wednesday, Christ is crucified uh, by Wednesday, and taken down off the cross by 6 p.m. that night. uh, They could not leave a body on the cross, uh, more than that day. So he's taken off that night and put into the tomb by 6 o'clock on Wednesday, and then Thursday at 6 and Friday at 6 and Saturday at 6 are three days and three nights in the grave, and he's risen again sometimes after Saturday evening at 6 o'clock for the morning and the evening of the first day in, in the Jewish timetable, and that gives us our Resurrection Sunday. And so Good Friday is a, a very, very, very religious idea uh, that it ought not be Good Friday, it ought to be Good Wednesday, because that you don't get three days and three nights, any way you add it up, uh, going from Friday uh, to Sunday. It just doesn't happen. And, And so, anyway... As we look at the scripture, we see him coming in to observe the Passover during that time. He will become himself the Passover lamb. The Jewish people normally would make tremendous sacrifices during this time, but he is going to be that sacrificial lamb. They don't know it on this day that they're worshiping and and adoring him and and recognizing who he is uh, really more than they ever have before, uh, but they are honoring him and giving him glory. They're crying, Hosanna unto the Lord God. Blessed be the name of When I see this, my topic and what I really want to talk to you about today sort of stems from that because as they're honoring the Lord Jesus and as they are worshiping him uh, this time, uh, they're praising him and they're worshiping him. You say, well, what does it mean for us to, to praise and worship? I've got my overhead graphic here, uh, the verse that we just read, John 12, 13, and worship with a heart in it. Uh, real worship and real praise does not take place if it does not take place within the heart of men and women. If it's not heartfelt, it's not worship. If you are in the house of God today, thank God that you are. What a wonderful crowd. Good to see you today. That's great that you brought your physical body here. But something more than your physical body needs to be here today. Something a lot more. It's the heart of who you are. The center of who you are needs to be here to honor and worship God Almighty. That's why we have come into the house today. Let me give you a couple of definitions when we think about the word uh, worship. Basically, if you understand it, uh, those words in worship, those words we speak, actions, things we do, attitudes, the way we think. Attitudes, the way we think, actions, what we do, words that we speak, which revere and honor the worthiness of God. When you use the word worship, it's sort of an old English type word uh, talking about the worthiness, the worthy, worship, worthy, worship, worthiness of God. And so whatever you do in a word or in your actions or in your attitude that displays and demonstrates and leads to the worthiness of God is worship. And so worship falls, has a lot of things that fall under the category of worship when we think about it. If we looked in the scriptures, we can see the word praise that we talk about sometimes, the word worship that we talk about. Praise means to make an open show and to boast, just to brag on God. Everybody say brag on God. That's what we're doing we're praising. We're bragging on God. We've got a good Lord, a good Savior. The Holy Spirit is wonderful to us. God the Father is more than we ever dreamed He would be. And we just love bragging on God. And that's why whenever you give a testimony, if God's done something good for you, if God's provided your needs or healed your body or kept you alive, saved your soul, all those good things that God's done for you, it's good to tell people about those things and let them know that there's a real God who does real things. But more than talking about you, talk about the God that did it for you. And how wonderful he is. And how kind and loving and compassionate and powerful and mighty he is. So that you don't turn people toward you, but you turn people toward God Almighty. We do that in praise. It's an outward display. You, you, can't, you can't praise and, unless you have a show. The, the, the Greek word for or the Hebrew word for praise has the word halah. And it means to make a show, to be clamorous, and even the word foolish and rave for people. In other words, you just make a show. Do you remember the story that when David was bringing the uh, Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, and he, as he brought it in, he was just, I mean, we call it here, what old folks call it cutting the rug, uh, dancing a jig as he was coming in. And he was just hilarious before God. And uh, as he did, uh, maybe some of his clothing were everywhere they needed to be. His wife spotted him coming into Jerusalem, from their home, and when they see him coming with the Ark of the Covenant, she gives him just what far when she gets him alone. She chastises him. She what do you think about the king of Israel? The king of all Israel just making a fool out of himself coming in. And David said, you know what? You saw what I did, but I'll be more vile than that. I will dance before my Lord, and it won't anything stop me from doing it. And so, you know what? It's sort of like that. People say, why do you do foolish things? Why do you get excited what you raising your hand for? You got something up there you're trying to grab to? Yeah, the Lord Jesus. We're holding on to God. Why do, why, why do you do that? Why do you shout? We don't hear all that shouting. Why do you do all this shouting? You to do some foolish things. That's right. That's what's called praise. It, it displays how good and great and grand God is. When we think about the word worship now, praise an outward display. Worship, though, it, it comes down to a more intimate level. Uh, the, the Hebrew words, we're looking at some of the Old Testament passages. The Hebrew word uh, for, for worship uh, has this understanding. Listen carefully now. To depress, prostrate, to reflex, to pay homage to royalty, to bow down, to crouch, to fall down flat, to make a stoop. Now, it's not talking about that in your mind that you get depressed Discouraged, woe is me. Uh, you know, what am I going to do? No, that's not what we're talking about at all. But it is a depression of me, not not in the mental capacity, but a depression where I say, Leon, you know, recognize who God is. He is holy. He is good. He is. He is mighty. He is wonderful. And in His presence, I can't help but bow before Him to prostrate myself before God, to recognize who God is in this place, to bow my head and to honor Him, for I am in the midst of greatness. And and so worship is literally bringing ourselves to a place you might call humility before God, where we humble ourselves in His presence. Oh, my. You have to have both of those aspects before when you come before God and worship and praise and praise. I'm loud. I'm boisterous. Let, you know, let's, let's dance before God and let's just, you know, shout His goodness. But in, in my worship, I recognize who God is and I honor Him and give Him all glory. I've always known that whatever I face in life, whatever it would be, whether it be something financial or something physical or something mental or something and other if I can just get into the presence of God... Everything will be all right. If I can just get where God is, and that's what I gotta do. I gotta keep this young fellow right here, right where God is. I gotta keep me in his presence. I can't afford to be outside of the presence of God. The world's out there and it'd get me and you know, like to snatch me up. And so I don't wanna mess with the world. I wanna be in God's presence, worshiping him, praising him, enduring him. And so when you think about those things on Palm Sunday today, and we remember how these people came in the Israelites into Jerusalem. Turn with these Psalms 149. Psalms 149, verse 1. Now, when you read the book of Psalms, I guess it's appropriate that we think about Palm Sunday, sort of spelled the same way, but these Psalms are metric. They are, they are songs uh, that you see that David wrote of God. And David was a great king of Israel, and uh, he, he just was known uh, for, for singing, for dancing, for praising, for, for worshiping, and for on- honoring God. I mean, Saul first met. King David, when he wasn't the king, just a shepherd boy, first met him when Saul got so depressed, he didn't know what to do, and was talking to his subjects around him. And they said, hey, we know this shepherd guy out here in the field. If you'll call him, he'll come in and he'll sing you happy. He'll do that. I I, I remember uh, uh, a a friend of mine many uh, years ago uh, that was in uh, Florida, uh, Henry L. Porter, and Henry L. Porter from Florida uh, came to Anderson, South Carolina, uh, many years ago. And I had saw him on TV at that day. He didn't have internet. I saw him on TV. And uh, he was at an evangelist that I knew meeting. And I heard him sing. And I, wow, this guy, and as soon as he opens his mouth, uh, he has an anointed presence of God upon him. And wow. He he can really sing and minister. And so when I found out he was going to be in Anderson, South Carolina, I went up and and I met him there, and he was just walking exuberant love. I mean, he was. And, And he made this statement as he was singing to the crowd and the people and everybody. He said, I can sing you that close to heaven. I can sing you that close to heaven. Wouldn't that be a good thought for all of us to have? Hey, I can praise and worship all of you that close to heaven. In other words, I, I'm not going to beat you and make you go there, but I'm going to go to heaven myself, so to speak, and the Spirit going to draw you up with me. And we're going to get that close to heaven. Oh, my. And praise and worship will literally, when you praise and worship from the heart, from the heart, you see the heart symbol I've got there. When you praise and worship from the heart of who you are, it's literally like, <laughs> well, what matter what happens here on planet Earth? I mean, hey, what can they do against my God? I mean, how, you know, if God be for me, then who can be against me? My, I, mean, that, that, I mean, you know, I, I get in God's presence. Hey, you might just gave me some bad news, and I recognize the bad news in the natural, and I don't discount what you say. But, hey, when I get in God's presence, that, that's, that's inconsequential now. That's all over with now. When I, if I just get into God's presence, everything can be okay. How am I going to get there? Through praise and through worship. Through praise and through worship. Now then. Psalms 149, verse 1. The Bible says, praise, and, and I'm reading King James, praise ye the Lord. You, individually, you. Praise ye the Lord and sing unto the Lord a new song. And is praise in the congregation of the saints. Everybody say new song. new song. What's classic about churches many times is this. What are you singing all the new songs for? Yeah. Well, the Bible says sing a new song. Yeah. It's okay to sing the most. I love some of the older songs. I'll sing them myself constantly. But it's okay to sing new songs, too. Don't get all mad and all bent out of shape. Just I, I was listening to a, a congregation the other day and, uh, uh, on the Internet singing, and they were singing something. I said, Sheila, Sheila, come here. I said, you see that song? We used to sing that song 50 years ago. And they still sing it like it's brand new yesterday. No wonder everybody knows the words. They never change songs. But anyway, <laughs> that's okay. I like some of the older songs. I really do love some of the older songs. But sing a new song. Sing something fresh. Something alive, something vibrant. There's joy in the house of the Lord. That's a new song for us here in our congregation. But it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. Let Israel rejoice. Notice this, let Israel rejoice. Rejoice. Be joyful and redo it again. And it'll be joyful, be joyful, be joyful, be joyful, be joyful, 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 joyful. Rejoice in him. What do I got to praise God for? It didn't say what you had to praise God for. It said rejoice in him. In Christ Jesus. You get in him, and I'll guarantee you, you'll have a lot to praise God for. But rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Be joyful. Nobody wants to see a Christian who look like a dog just died and lost their best friend. <laughs> Glory to God, I'm having a wonderful life in Jesus. And, and you just look like you, you know, you, wow, goodness, you look so sad and down and out and Whatever. I mean, it's incredible. Verse 3, let them praise his name in the dance. Somebody say, Why "While they dance in church? Because the Bible says let them praise his name in the dance. That's what it said. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and with the harp. Now, notice, why don't we have other kind of instruments? And we'll get in some more as we go along here. But with the timbrel and the harp. Some people have made it classical classical. I mean, do the history on it. John Wesley and the Wesley brothers, Charles, John Wesley that uh, did the things that they did. And was it Charles that wrote so many songs and hymns? Do you know where he got that organ from? He got it out of the pub. Another word for beer joint. And brought it into the church, the music. And so we captured that thing, that organ, and we, we put it in here so much. We said, you can't do nothing else in some churches, but an organ. And some churches may have wonderful displays of pipe organ. And that's great. That's good. That's okay. Nothing wrong with a big $200,000 pipe organ. Not anything wrong with it. I'd rather have a $20,000 synthesizer because I could do more with it. But still, nothing wrong with a, with a, you know, a $200,000 uh, pipe organ. Not, nothing wrong with that at, at all. But to make it so religious that you can't do anything else in the church whatsoever, you're not being scriptural. Because the Bible definitely teaches a multitude of instruments that you can use and worship and praise God, and all of you have one of the best instruments you could have, and that's right here: these ten things. Here. That's a great instrument that you worship God in. Hallelujah, Amen. And so, verse three: Let them praise His name in the dance. Let them sing praises in the hymn with the timbre and the harp. I, I have, you know, I, I tried to do the dance. I mean, I don't know. I was playing music in, in, since I was ten years old. And I played for the next 10 years uh, and did dances. And I was trying to think the other day, how I many I did, probably a little, a little over 200 uh, that I did. And I never danced. I was always playing. I, I never never did the dance. You'd think so. And so it becomes a little difficult for me. But it's okay to get up and just do whatever you want to do with your feet. You get your feet moving. You get them moving around. And it's okay to get excited and to dance before God and just to be happy. You ever got some good news and you just sort of dance along? I'll tell you what. Uh, Naomi, sometimes she'll be at the home and uh, different things that she'll do. And I got a bubble thing and uh, pulled out a bubble thing and, and blow it, and then bubbles went everywhere, and she went, ah, and danced like this, just feet going all over. And so what is it? It's a natural result of a little child displaying happiness and joy. So there's nothing wrong with you having a natural result and displaying some happiness and joy right inside the church. Amen? That's before the Lord. That's before the Lord. Now, don't be doing the hoochie or nothing like that, but anyway, whatever that is, if you don't know what that is, you don't know what affairs were years ago. But anyway, the coup show, whatever it was, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Verse 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. In other words, God's happy about it when you rejoice before him. When you have these musical instruments, when you praise him, when you rejoice, spend this time in the dance. He's happy. He takes pleasure in his people. How many wants God to be happy? Say amen. amen. Well, he says he's happy about these things. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Uh, There's all kind of ways to worship God, okay? There's not a thing in the world wrong with being quiet and reverent before the Lord and just sort of waiting in His presence, just becoming all clear before God. Nothing wrong in that. But there's also nothing wrong with shouting, Hallelujah! Glory to God! Father God, how we give you praising glory. You do that with the mouth. Amen? Amen? You say, what's the difference? I've used this example over the years. Let whoever you are praise and worship as you are. Now, don't hold yourself back, that kind of thing. I'm not saying that at all. But whatever your nature is, if, if you go to the football game, Sheila and I go to the football game. We, we haven't been years. Well, we went about three years ago. And so we went to the football game on our first date, and that was there. And so we celebrated that about three years ago. And so we went to another football game, and there... And at the football game, whenever they make the touchdown, I'll be standing up. Yes, yeah, you know, like that. Just made the touchdown. I look at Sheila, and she'll say, "What happened?" <laughs> I say, we "Just made a touchdown." She said, "Oh." Her nature is a little more quiet than mine. Although I'm reserved and dignified, but anyway, her nature is a little more quiet than mine. And so certainly when she worships and praises, it will be out of who she is. Because we worship in spirit and truth of who you are. And so that's fine. But at the same time, we don't hold ourselves down. Nothing wrong because she gets loud sometimes too. We don't hold ourselves down. We don't keep our displays uh, inhibited or locked down where we're scared we can't worship God. No, no, we don't do that. But we still allow our nature of who we are to come forth in honesty and sincerity and true worship before God. And so notice God takes pleasure in his people. He'll beautify the meek, see, the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. In other words, singing when you even go to bed at night, go to sleep at night. Let, let, let there be wonderful praise and worship going through your whole heart and your whole life. And, and he talks about this just continually always. Look, look what he says happens. Let, verse 6, let the high praise of God be in their mouth and the two-edged swords in their hand. Word of God, Hebrews 4.12. And then to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishment upon the people. To bind their kings, their kings with chains. And their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all the saints. Praise the Lord. In other words, I'm worshiping God, praising the Lord. And I'm saying, thank you, Father God, that your hand is upon me for good. The devil's tried to put this sickness and disease upon me. But in the name of Jesus, no weapon that is formed against me is going to prosper. Now be gone in the name of Jesus. And Father God, I give you the praise that he's gone in Jesus' name. Why do I just execute a judgment? Executed judgments against the devil. Every word that comes up against you, you shall condemn, the Bible tells us. We do that. We condemn the word of the enemy that comes against us. We do that in praise and in worship. Now, look with me in the book of Numbers. Turn over there, Numbers chapter 14. There's a long story here, and I I don't have anywhere near the time to read all about this. But basically, what is taking place uh, is this. The children of Israel have come out of Egyptian bondage. And they're headed into the promised land. And as they're going into the promised land, uh, they are going to spy out the land first to see what they're up against. And, uh, and so they pick out these 12 spies uh, to go into the land. And uh, when they do, they come back uh, with two different reports. And if you look at Numbers uh, chapter 13, I believe it is. Yeah, Numbers chapter 13. When they come back, uh, they go into this land, and wow, it is like God promised. There's milk and honey there. It's a great, blessed place to be. Anybody would want to live and establish their nation in Canaan land. And, and so they come back. They tell them, they said there's one big problem there because there's a lot of these ite brothers, and they're all giants in the land, and, and they say, we can't have it. Uh, we can't. And so when they come back of the 12, about 10 of them uh, that come back, come back and, and they have a evil report. Now, look at Numbers 13, verse 30. Caleb and, and Joshua, when they come back, they say, they steal the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome it. Now, notice Caleb and Joshua both say that. We, uh, we'll see Joshua's name mentioned, And we're able to, they see everything everybody else says, sees. But in their mind, their heart, their spirit, we got God on our side. We can overcome that place. That is not a problem. Are the giants there? Yes. Are the giants real? Yes. Are the giants big? Yes, they are big. Are are they powerful? Yes, they are. But we can overcome those giants. It's not a problem for us. We can overcome them. Let's go up at once and possess it. And you know what? Joshua and Caleb, they're going to be penalized here for the next 40 years because of doubt and unbelief. And at the end of that 40 years, Joshua comes at the same thing 40 years later and still says, hey, we can still go in and do it. And he says, right before they go in 40 years later, he said, I feel as young as I was the day I was here 40 years ago. And I can still do it. And still overcoming. And still. See, just because there are giants standing in the way of your blessing. And because there are giants that want to stand there to keep you from getting the things God's promised you. Don't mean you can't have it. It means that you just have to depend upon God rather than yourself. Because you're right. In your own abilities, human flesh, you can't overcome a giant. You can't. I'm a giant bigger than you? No, you can't overcome a giant. But with God on your side. Trusting and having faith in him, you can. The giant is not anything, not anything to overcome. I mean, you can. Now, notice what it said in, in Numbers 13 and 31. But the men that went up with him said, we'd be not able to go against the people, for they're stronger than we are. We can't do it. No, we can't. Yeah, and, and this is about life, too. I mean, you got 12 people. Two say you can, 10 say you can't. Uh, that's probably about the statistics that you face in this world when you want to do something. There's always more people to tell you you can't than those that will tell you you can. There's usually more people to try to discourage you than those that will try to encourage you. There's more people will try to tell you don't worship and praise God than those that will tell you, yes, go ahead and worship, praise God. Honor him. And so recognize that usually in this world, the majority are going to be against the things of God. Ten till two. And they're not even talking about Dr. Pepper or they? but 10 to 2. Look at verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land. What is it when you're told to do something by God and you say we can't? What is that? That's an evil report. That's wicked. That's evil. Somebody said, I thought cussing was wicked and evil. It is. But this is really wicked and evil. When you say you can't do what God said you can do. Notice it a report of the land, and they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw there were men of great stature. And there we saw the sons of Anak, giants, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight. Oh, this is a, one of the greatest principles you ever see that help you in your thinking. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. In other words, to us. When we saw the big giants, we were like little grasshoppers. That's what we thought about ourselves before the giants. But now notice, and so we were in their sight. The giant said, I'll agree, you are grasshoppers. If you ask the devil if you're lowly and no good and worthless, the devil's going to agree with you. You won't have to try to talk him into it. He's going to agree with you. And so whenever they say this, then the enemy uh, always agrees with them. Uh, That's that's why when you're in in this world, I found this out, that someone can say, no, that you can't. And you can say, well, I I believe we can. They're going to say, no, you can't again. And if you just sort of, well, that's just the way you think, and you sort of venture off, then you're not going to make any change. But if you will confront the no, you can't, not in a bad, mean way, but if you will confront uh, confront the no, you can't with the yes, I can, I found that you can convert the people who say, no, I can't, into people who say, now I can. Yeah. But don't give up and don't quit. And don't stop. Just keep staying at it. Going to make this thing work. What was it Thomas Edison, they said, did? They were trying to create the light bulb. What was it? They said that he uh, failed 10,000 times. And they said, don't you think you're a failure after all those times trying to create the light bulb? And he said, no, I just found 10,000 ways it won't work. I've narrowed it down now. I'm getting closer. I live long enough, I'll make it. Somebody say amen. amen. Getting closer. And, and, and so what was happening here, uh, this is all going on. And let me tell you something. The Lord just spoke to my heart yesterday, an amazing thing. It was just before this, a few weeks before, that they, Moses himself, had went up to the top of Mount Sinai to get the law. You know the story. God tells him why he's up there. Those people down there, they are pitching one more party down there. You won't believe what they're doing. They are making this golden calf, and they are in all forms of sexual things they're doing. You need to get down there right now, because I'm about to kill them all. And Moses says, oh, God, don't do that. No, let's don't do that. And so they walk down to the bottom. When they get to the bottom of the mountain, Moses sees them. Then Moses gets mad at what God was. And he's mad at them now. Before he wasn't, but he saw it. You see, when you see things like God sees it, then you'll think and feel and act like God thinks, feels, and acts. Praise and worship will get you into that place. It'll get you into the mind of God. And so anyway, when they get down there, and they see what, everything's going on, and they're worshiping this golden cow, what do they do? You know the story. They asked Aaron, the brother, what happened here like, I don't know what happened. All I know was this. is we, we throwed a bunch of our gold into the fire, and that cow walked out. Yeah, no, no, no. It didn't either. You guys were artifices. You guys were working on that thing. You guys sculptured that thing. You planned it. You designed it. You had it on the job. You put it on CAD. You had you you built that thing. It didn't just walk out there. Some of us are like that in the sins and problems of our life. What happened? I don't know. I just in a mess. Yeah, you do know. You the one got yourself in that mess because you reap what you sow is what the Bible says. Somewhere along the way, you sowed it. Now you're reaping. And and, and so, what happens is this that was a terrible sin. Now, what happened? The plague hit, and God killed thousands of them. Thousands of them. He showed how displeased he was with them. He sent Moses, he said, Moses, now you go get you two tablets, because you just broke all ten of them at one time. Go get you two tablets, and you come on back up to the mountain. We're going to do this again, but this time you're going to ride it. And Moses did. And he went back up another 40 days. And as far as I know, it's the first 80-day fast. And only 80-day fast you ever heard about in the Bible. Because he fasted 40 days the first time. He come down, broke all the Ten Commandments, went right back up. And when he went back up, he fasted another 40 days. 80 days. You can't do that unless it's supernatural of God. And he did it. And so that was a terrible thing that happened. Terrible. And somebody says... Is it terrible for somebody to make a golden image and worship it? Yes, it is. Is it terrible for them to be involved in all the sexual sin that they're involved in? Yes, it was. Was it terrible for them not to support the man of God that was on the mountain bringing the law down? Yes, it was. It was terrible. Let me tell you something that was more terrible. It was more terrible when they doubted God that we're reading about right now. Because after that Ten Commandment episode, God made provision for their healing and salvation, and they began to go on into the Canaan land, which they could have went in. But it was after this episode of them doubting God that God could truly do what God said he could do, an issue of unbelief and doubt and an evil. It was then that God said, all right, none of you going in. See, some of us think the sins of this world, and I don't, I'm not trying to classify sin, but, but some of us think that the sins of, say, thievery or, or stealing, that's bad, don't do it. The sins of an alcoholic and all kind of thing and hurting our children our family and all these kind of things that happens when we do things we ought not do like that. Simpleness in our lives. The simpleness of sexual sin. All these kind of, We think those are very, very big and bad. And they are. They are. I don't want to minimize any of those things. And some of us don't think anything about doubt and unbelief, though. Yet it was the doubt and unbelief that made them wait 40 more years before they went in. Not the other. It was a doubt and unbelief. They never went in. Their children did. But they didn't go in. So this thing of us saying, well, I just wish I had more faith. You better quit wishing. You better just start having it. Just have. Got scripture for that? Yeah, I do. I just saw it. Mark 11, verse 22. Mark eleven, twenty-two. Have the faith of God. Very simple passage. Have the faith of God. Just go ahead and have it. Everybody say, I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. And so what's, what's happening here, I've got to bring us to this place. What, what's happening this is this, is they are cut off because of an evil report. So, you know, not praising God, not worshiping God, and you go to the other side of evil reporting toward God, where we don't recognize His goodness, greatness, and glory, which they didn't. They recognized the goodness, great, and glory of the giants. Not their God. They're on the other side. And because of this, they are cut off before God. Notice verse 27 of Numbers 14. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmurs against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. And so God hears the complaints just like he hears the praise. He does. And he said here with the children of Israel, I've I've heard all this bad-mouthing you guys doing. I've heard all this evil report that you're doing. And and just how long am I going to put up with that anyway? And we find out he doesn't put up with it. It costs them 40 years of their life. When they could have been in the promised land in just a few days, they're going to have to wait and go in circles in their life for the next 40 years. till they all die out and a new generation comes up that wasn't involved in all this evil. And then they get to go in. But not those that murmured. I mean, in Numbers 14.2, notice this. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would to God that we died in the land of Egypt. That's what they said. Or would to God that we died in the wilderness. And God said, Okay, we'll take the wilderness. It came out of your mouth. When we say all the kind of stuff in our life, and this doubt, unbelief, and I'm not trying to get real you know, inconsequential about things, but we'll say stuff, oh, How are you doing? How you feeling? Well, I believe I'm taking a cold. Why are you believing you taking a cold? Because my senses tell me I am. What senses? Well, my taste and smell and cough and all this, and that makes me believe it. Why are you you in your senses? Why don't you believe something else? Why don't you believe the Word of God, which says, I am the Lord God that healeth thee? Exodus 15, 26. Why not believe that? Why believe the other report? Why believe the evil report? Why bl- if, if somebody can believe bad about you, don't let it be you. There's enough people out there in the world be believe bad about you. If people can believe bad about you, don't you be the one believing it. If people say you're rotten and no good, don't agree with them. <laughs> and don't be saying it. No, no. I lived enough of a life uh, and growing up in different things that I did in poverty and all kinds of other bad situations that hear bad reports about me and all that kind of stuff. And but decision, I don't have to believe all that. I ain't got to believe all that. That might be what they think, might be what other people say, but you don't have to think it. And don't join the chorus of singing your gloom and doom in your life. Somebody say, amen. amen. And, and, and so they said, we'd rather die in Egypt or in the wilderness. God said, all right, we'll let you die in the wilderness. And they did. In the next 40 years, they die off in the wilderness. Somebody said, I don't believe you can have what you say. Tell that to these people. they the ones said it. God just agreed with what they said. The Bible says it in the book of Hebrews. There it is, Hebrews chapter 3 and also chapter 4, that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. He represents us before God based on what we say. So stop saying this evil stuff and start praising and worshiping God and talking about God's goodness and God's greatness. Stop saying, I don't know where God is. I can't find God. I don't know where God's at. God's not within a million miles of me. Oh, God. I mean, hey, if that's you, you need to get saved. I mean, yeah, the sinner, you can't find God unless you find him through Christ Jesus. That's the only way you'll find him. But once you get saved and become a child of God, quit talking that. I almost let my redneck come out. Quit talking that trash. Quit saying that. Quit saying you can't find God. God's in your heart and your life, and you're saying you can't find him? God loves you and has given everything he has to give you, and you say you can't get a prayer through? And you say, I don't know if God hears me or not. Don't be giving those evil reports. Don't let them come out of your mouth. Zip it up, as Andy Griffin told Barney Five. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Somebody say amen. Amen. Get rid of that kind of talk. Let let praise and worship come out of your mouth. Uh, And Scripture says this. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 45, Moreover, all these curses will come on you and pursue you and overtake you till you be destroyed because you hearken not to the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and statutes which I command you this day. And they shall be upon thee for a sign, for a wonder upon your seed forever because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart and for the abundance of all things. And so I don't want to be in that place because I'm all, you know, all the time talking to mully grubs and down and out and everything's terrible and nothing is any good and my life is just horrible and things are bad. No, I'm going to change You say, what if you do have the mully grubs and what if your life is terrible? I, I didn't say that some circumstances, situations cannot exist in our life, but me amplifying them and magnifying them is not going to get me anywhere. To recognize this, oh, Lord God, I might be in this, you know, shadow uh, of doubt right here in my life, but Lord God, you are my light and I'm going to keep my eyes on you no matter what i see all around me lord god and i believe this that though though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i'll fear no evil you might be walking through that valley of shadow of death but don't fear the evil keep your mind your heart on god somebody say amen that's what we do in this life and we worship and we praise him my I mean, there's, there's a lot out there well what does the bible say let me just give you a few things i'm out of time but let me give you a few things anyway God is well pleased, he says, with our praise. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. How often do we praise God? Continually. We never, ever stop praising God. Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So I say it with my mouth. Somebody say, praise God somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah somebody say glory to God, glory to God. the angel said glory to God in the highest didn't they do it like we did in the old time church well glory somebody say well glory, glory. amen I, I like that that sounds pretty good there amen my, my Baptist father-in-law uh, used to say that quite a bit in the in the Baptist church now you know we've got some good shouting Baptist churches you ever heard that shouting Baptist yeah he was a good shouting Baptist he was I'd hear him say oh, well glory Hallelujah. Well, glory. Well, it's all right to praise God. Don't matter what denomination you are. Amen. Amen. Give praise to the Lord. Do good and communicate. Forget not, he says, for with the sacrifices of God, God is well pleased. God is happy. You want to please God? Somebody says, I don't know if I make God happy or not. Well, start worshiping and praising Him. You'll make Him happy. I mean, my goodness. I mean, you love God, It'd make Him happy. I mean, Sheila tells me, you know, she loves me. That, that just turned something on inside of me, you know, and the wheels start moving, all kind of stuff. I told her the other day, I think it was last Sunday, and you know, we, we went home, anybody have taken a nap on a Sunday afternoon, you ever do that? Sometimes we do, and, and we went home, and I sort of laid down on the couch, so I said, "Chill." I said, why don't you do something, uh, she said, what's that? I said, well, it appears to me that you're getting behind in your adoring to me, so why don't you come down here, get some grapes first, and get a fan, and lean right down here and sit on the floor right beside the couch where I'm at, and as I lay here comfortably like this and about to go to sleep, fan me with that fan and put grapes in my mouth and just keep on it just adore me. How many knows how far that went? How many knows I'm the one had to go get the grapes and bring them to her. No, no. But everybody wants to feel loved. How would you feel if you were feeling around somebody and well, I don't know where you're at? Well, you've been married to me for 20 years. You don't know where I'm at? I'm right here. I mean, you know, I don't know where I'm at? I mean, you have a relationship with somebody. You don't talk to them. Hadn't said anything to them. Hadn't told them how much you love them, how much you care for them, how happy you are that they are in your life. I mean, how much would a relationship go on in the natural if you didn't do some of that in your lives? If you, if some of you, if you treated your spouse like people treat God, you, you'd been divorced a long time ago. I mean, you, it'd been over for your marriage a long time ago. I am mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, no no wonder, no wonder. You said, my wife, uh, you know, not good to me. No wonder what what you just said. What was it? She said you had to go home and, and call the battle axe was fixing food for you. You had to get there. You had to go home to the battle axe? I mean, some, go home to the old lady. old lady said the old lady. Got to go home to the old lady. No don't talk that way about your spouse. Somebody say, amen, amen no 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 so i gotta hurry up and get home i got someone good waiting for me at home i mean you know all all that kind of stuff we went on a mission trip and here's uh, been several years ago and 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 down out of out of of the nation into belize and we flew down and basically the the mission trip was that you work from monday uh, until thursday and we, we did, and we helped build a church from Monday till Thursday. And on Friday, they said, we're going to give you that day off, and on Friday, we're going to go to this island that, is, that all the, the cruise ships stop at, and we're going to let you swim with the dolphins and that kind of stuff, and you can surf out there, and you're just going to have a great, enjoyable time because you've worked Monday through Thursday, and you've got that Friday to do all that. And so we booked our flight down there and back, and you know what? I told them, I said, at Thursday evening, they said, well, we're going to have a good time tomorrow. I said, yeah. I said, where are y'all going to be? They said, we're going to be out here on the island. And I said, where are you going to be, Leon? I said, I'm going to be flying home to my wife. She's at home waiting on me. I left her for four days, and I'm about to die now. And so anyway, I got to get home to her because we have that kind of relationship. We have a love relationship. She's worth more than me swimming with a couple of big fish in the ocean. <laughs> Amen. We don't have big fish yet. But anyway, it's worth more. So so God takes pleasure. You take pleasure in people loving on you, responding to you. God does too. God does too. The Bible says this in the book of uh, uh, Revelation chapter 4, that in heaven there are those who praise and worship God day and they rest not, day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. In heaven, God has created beings that do nothing But worship Him and bring attention to God's holiness and God's goodness and God's righteousness. And so when you get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of worship going on. There's going to be a whole lot of worship going on. You need to get tuned up down here. Then when you get there, it won't seem like a strange thing to you. Right? Right? And so let some of that worship and praise do here. I mean, we talk about that. What, what are some things, in, in extremely quickly. The Scripture tells us in Psalms 5, verse 11, But let all those that put their trust in rejoice, and let them ever shout for joy. Somebody say, shout! What was that song we sung years ago? He makes me want to shout. You know, lift my hands up, lift my hands shout. You know, all that come on now and shout. Well, don't, don't you know, that's the world's way of saying it. Doesn't God make you want to shout? Woo! I mean, you know, it's all right to shout before God and, and, and get loud before God. That's okay. The Bible says in Psalms 47.1, oh, clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It's okay to clap. Somebody do this. Somebody go. Hey, Do it with some enthusiasm. Come on, come on. Amen. It's, it's okay. Now, we do that if somebody comes in, a dignitary or an official or a president came in or whatever. We, in mean, honor and respect, would clap. <coughs> we can do that before God. That's all right. But, but don't let the clap, clapping, you know, shut your mouth up. You can do both. You can praise and worship and then clap too. But notice this. It says in Psalm 63, verse 4, I will bless the Lord while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. It's okay. Remember I mean, my first time I saw that in church when I was a very little boy? I said, who are they all waving at? <laughs> who are they all waving at? Well, waving at God. <clears throat> waving at God. We're lifting our hands up to him. We're, we're, we're in the hymn, Lord, I give up. <laughs> I give up. That's what you do when you give up, isn't it? I give up. I give up. And then I'm reaching up. I'm reaching up to God. And basically the Bible says here that we lift our hands. We lift our hands. And so, so we do it in honor. God said, do it, and I do it. First time I up my hands, I thought, oh, Lord, everybody's watching my hands lift up. Oh, but I forgot about all that because I'm lifting my hand. God said do it, then we just do it. God said it, we just do it. And, and so, and what else? Psalm uh, uh, 95 verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Some churches have kneelers behind the bench. And that's okay. That's okay to have a, a kneeler behind the bench and come and kneel. I don't think it's all you should do. But certainly, kneeling is okay. And what do we do? We recognize we, we just honor God. He is the King of kings, the Lord of glories, And we kneel in his presence. We bow down. I will come and I'll bow in his presence, recognizing who he is. That, that's a form of worship. What, what about singing? Praise the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. We talked about that one. Sing before God. It's okay to sing before God. And I do. I sing before God just constantly. I, I'll sing before the Lord uh, all the time. And I sing a lot of things. I sing unto the Lord. One of the best songs I've singed to the Lord. You might think it's strange, uh, but I sing this song before the Lord. I'm never going to be alone anymore. I'm never going to be alone anymore since I met you. And I'm talking about God. Some of you might think I'm talking about Courtney's Brothers and sister Rose. But I'm actually talking about God that I'm singing. Because when I was, you know, in in our family, uh, went through a divorce and all, and I was by myself a long time, uh, a long time. I, I lived by myself when my dad would work. And so I was alone a lot. And so but when I met Jesus... I'll never be alone again. I'll never be alone again. Since I met him, I don't have any more loneliness to bear. And so I I sing that song to him. A lot of other songs I sing too. But dancing. What, let them praise his name. in the dance, it's all right to get up and dance before God. And, and, and to do, do different kinds of dance, a lot of dance. One of them I call the Copeland Strut. You know the Copeland Strut that I call. It. But anyway, uh, different ones we did because I guess I saw that first time in Brother Copeland's meetings years ago. And, and, and so, so we dance before the Lord. And some people get wild dancing, man. You've got to sort of hold on to them. And you've got to call the deacons up. And the deacons got to stand around them and sort of comfort them while they do the dance. How many know what I'm talking about? Say amen. You've got to sort of protect them as they do the dance. That kind of stuff like that. But it's okay to dance before the Lord. It's okay to dance before. And then musical instruments, Psalms 150, verse 3. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the sound of the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments, with the organs. Praise Him with the loud cymbals. Somebody said, why them drum so loud? You ever tried to crash a cymbal and not be loud? That's why we call it a crash. Now, if we ride, we ride one cymbal, but we can crash another. And praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. And so all the instruments that we see in the house of God and other places, we use them in praise and worship and adoration. They don't take the place of our praise. They simply are part of our praise, part of what we do before the Lord, and we worship before the Lord. I used to work with a fellow many, many years ago, and he went to a church. They didn't believe in any kind of music at all. And then he came in one day very, very upset. I said, what happened? What happened? He said, what well, was that by church Sunday? I said, what happened? He said, I don't know. People in church just backsliding now in our church. I said, why is that? What did they do that was backsliding? He said, here's what they did. When we got up to sing in the choir like we normally do with no music, somebody got up and had a pitch pipe and gave us the pitch to all sing on. And I couldn't believe they did that. And he was so upset that somebody used a pitch pipe to set the pitch at or the key of the song because him, he didn't believe musical instruments. But God says musical instruments are okay. They're okay. Amen? All these ways, and, and whatever it is, from your heart of worship, we come forth and we worship. I had a lot more to share with you. Maybe we'll do that another time. But the key is basically this. We worship God from the heart of who we are in spirit and truth, whatever that is, in whatever way that is. It doesn't say that every time you walk into the house of God, you're just, you know, sh- hanging from the chandeliers and Bouncing on top the top of the piano and all this kind of stuff. Or like we did my wife and I we evangelized and went in and she had real long hair. And she like, said, Sister, I want to see you shake that hair and whip it one time for Jesus. You know, you don't have to you don't have to whip your hair for Jesus, whatever. But anyway, but whatever you do, you do it from your heart, your life. You do all things in decency in order the Bible says. We don't get out of the way before God. But certainly we show God our worship and our praise and we honor Him. And so on this day of Palm Sunday, when we hear about the Jewish people worshiping God, throwing them in their palms, and some of them throw their clothes and they cried, Hosanna, and, blessed is the name of the Lord. Let us not fail to worship God ourselves. Amen? Amen? Stand up with me this morning. Let's go before the Lord in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Stretch your hands toward the heavens. That's biblical, isn't it? Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah glory to God glory to God come on just worship him in the house today Father God we give you praise we give you glory we honor you in this house in this place O oh Lord God and Lord God we thank you for your goodness grace and mercy Lord God so many good things you have done for us Lord no longer will the rocks cry out for us Lord our tongues will not remain silent O oh God but all that within us Lord God we shall worship and we shall praise the Lord for you are a mighty God and Father God we love you and we enjoy your presence almighty god say this may say father god i love you this day and i enjoy your presence i enjoy your glory and i thank you father for all you are and all that you will be in my life in my heart and i say thank you lord thank you lord hallelujah hallelujah somebody say praise his name Glory to God, we give you glory in this house in the name of the Lord. Give him a hand clap of praise. Come on, do that in Jesus' name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, God is a good God.
0: He is a good God.
1: Oh, we love him today, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess... You are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.